welcome to the Show Up Podcast, a place where we explore leadership and how it's showing up for us in the world in which we work, and a space for you to explore what leadership means in your context, how you show up, how you turn up to be the best leader you can be in the world that you work in today. This week, we explore the idea of making and keeping commitments. In the hope that we start to raise into your awareness this idea that even the smallest little thing can have an impact on the way you are in relationship with someone, whether that's in the working sense, the leading sense, or just being sense of being present with people every single day. Because we all have distractions in the world and those distractions can lead us down rabbit holes we never intend to. But ultimately, as leaders, paying attention to this way that we be in relationship with people can help be really effective when we need to. Afternoon, gentlemen. Good to see you, Graham. Good to see you, Jamie. And welcome to this next episode of the Show Up podcast. Hey, folks. Good day. And I was talking to someone in Australia this morning, so sorry, it's rubbed off. And genuinely, that's how they welcomed me on the call today. So, Good day, mate. Uh, for our listeners, uh, Graham may be slightly delirious today because he's been making phone calls to Australia at 1am uh, and 2am. But he assures us he is suitably energised. Pleasure of a global so, business and a bit of vitamin D coming through from the sky. It is nice and sunny, actually, isn't it? We're recording this uh, as as spring in the mid in mid spring mm. in the UK, and it, as the rain has cleared and the sun is streaming in, it's quite nice. And what we are going to talk about today is the topic of making and keeping clear commitments, keeping our promises as leaders, and ways that trips us up, and ways that it can drive real clarity and uh, connection with the people we're making commitments to. So this is a theme that's cropped up for me quite a lot, particularly in the last five years when I've been running my own business and building and leading my own team. And there are commitments that I make to my team and there are commitments that I make to my clients and commitments that both team and clients make back to me. And I find that I trip myself up on this all the time. So I will make promises to clients that aren't clear. What are we going to do by when? What exactly are we going to deliver? I will ask things of my team in a way that isn't clear. And as a result, not get what I was expecting or wanting. Or my team will commit to doing things and then not deliver them on time and I won't hold them to account for that. And so there's a whole bunch of different problems where this concept of commitment comes up. And whenever a commitment is breached, one or both parties have fallen out of integrity and that can be a painful place to be. And it, it reduces relationship connect connectivity, it reduces trust, it makes it much, much harder to do things appropriately on whatever shared mission you're on with that person that you had a close enough mission with to want to make a commitment in the first place. 
So what I wanted to do today was just explore a bit about that whole theme of commitments and how we make commitments, what to do when commitments get broken, how it can be damaging when we don't do these things clearly. I don't want to hold my hand up. I want to hold my hand up straight away. For the listeners, you may have heard Derry pause a little bit longer in that. That's probably because he's probably going, what the heck is going on? Because Graham seems distracted. And I'm going to call it out straight away. It's because my son was in the office and he was about to make some noise and I was just informing him, please don't. But it's an interesting example because non-verbally I've communicated to you in that moment that my attention is not on what you're saying, it's on something else. And that created a reaction in you, right? And in this world where we've got this whole hybrid working style, it can be something as simple as that without the explanation that can start to, for me, seems to create that divergence of um, relationship if you're not careful, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I was confused as to why you were holding your hand up and saying shush, and was that at me? And did I need to stop speaking? (laughs) I thought this is a strange time to be told to stop speaking when you're recording a podcast. Um, (laughs) But you're right. The the commitment that we make to each other and actually, I don't know that we've made this explicitly, is we have. to be here at the time we've agreed, be fully present with no background noise and no background distractions and give this podcast our undivided attention for that time. And I broke it. And we'd never even spoke about it. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Hopefully the I, reason was good enough. And <laughs> I, I put my hand up now because I'm sorry as well because I was, I was late arriving today. I was late arriving because of another commitment-related situation, but it was my really my bad that I turned up late because I could have put that off and then said, "Well, I'll honour the commitment I'd made to you guys uh, explicitly or implicitly." Um, but I really, really was drawn to. Um, I was subject. I was definitely subject to that situation. I was in the grip of needing to deal with that. Um, and and I hoped that I would get forgiveness. Well, here's the thing I noticed. You sent us all a note that just said, I'll be with you very shortly. So even amongst all that subjectivity, you were able to hold yourself object enough to notice I may my current pattern of behavior might have an impact on other people I have a commitment to. So what step can I take that just informs them there's a slight derailment and you did that was that was good, but if I'm going to be really picky here, I'll be with you shortly is not a precise commitment and not a precise recommitment. And my challenge right. would be, could you have said, I will be with you in 10 minutes or I'll be with you in 15 minutes and make another commitment that you were able to hold? Ooh, that's you a great question. To a right field that I'd love to get into. Because that's a great me, that's just sparked off a whole load of stuff. I've got to say it. Because I'm one of those people, I don't ever make promises. Why is that? I make, I make commitments. Because I found the emotional value people place on a promise overplays the reaction people have should you have to change the goalposts of that promise. I never make a promise to my kid. So what's what's the distinction in your mind then, how you describe it? The promise is different from a commitment. Yeah. 
for me, promise has more and of emotional value to it because I am going to make this happen for you no matter what is the subtext behind a promise to me. And if I, you know, life happens and for some reason you've got to break that promise, it can be, it loses the tolerance for change in that commitment. I think also that the, I would think of a commitment as being a, a more precise definition. So I always use the SMART acronym, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time-bound. And a commitment should have all of those attributes. So Jamie, if I call you out on your, I'll be with you shortly, that was not specific or measurable. It was achievable. It was relevant and it wasn't time-bound. So you got two out of five by using the word shortly instead of a specific time. And and the power of that precision around a commitment versus a promise for me is that you know whether it has happened or not. You can be very precise about whether you kept your commitment or not. And you know when you're not going to make your commitment and you can take action to explain that openly, candidly, truthfully, honestly, and recommit to something else. And that to do that at the level of granularity that I'm talking about is a very high bar, but there's so many situations in business and leadership where those commitments are just never expressly articulated. And so much assumption that happens when there isn't an express commitment. What, what, what kind of categories are we talking about then? Because I think that you're absolutely right. It can happen in so many different ways. What what are the broad categories so we can start to maybe partition this? I'm thinking, for example, is there a commitment that takes place between employer and employee? Which some of it's legally bound, some of it is implicit. Is there a is there a commitment that takes place between a leader and team or a leader and teams about um, where we're headed and my confidence in this is the right direction um, and I will be with you the whole way which is not necessarily legally bound but it's about aspiration and so on and so forth slightly different type of uh, um, theme and is there a sort of just an interpersonal one that, that we're touching on now which is I said I'd be here at this point in time I've now got to recontract or I've not, I'm here or I'm not, I can't be here and therefore I'm going to do it. So there's like a, just a, a direct interpersonal one. So there's, there's different levels at which this could manifest. I, yeah, I think there are. I, one nuance on that I would bring out is I think a commitment is always from one person to one other person. Even if you're making that commitment to a group of people, you're, you need to think about that commitment as being individually with each of those people. So you're only ever out of integrity with one other person. Might be multiple other people, but it's an individual human-to-human -human connection. And that, part of the reason that that's important is the foundation of all of this stuff is trust and trustworthiness. Mm -hmm. I I think about I, there's a, a concept called the trust equation, which David Meister um, wrote as part of the trusted advisor and he breaks trust work. So trust for a start has two dimensions. There's trustworthiness and there's willingness to trust. 
And all you can really control is your own trustworthiness. And that trustworthiness is a function of how credible you are, how reliable you are, how emotionally connected with the other person you are, and how low your own self-orientation is. So if you are credible, reliable, emotionally intimate, and you have low self-orientation, you you will be more trustworthy for people. So these commitments really come back to the the reliability part of that and often the, the self-orientation piece. So if you break a commitment because you've made something else more important than that commitment, which is always true, we'll, we'll dig into that in a little bit, that's because you've, you're showing high levels of self-orientation versus the other person that you made that commitment to and low levels of reliability, so you're trashing your trust. And that's why this is so damaging because once that trust starts to erode, it takes a long time to build it back again. And it's easily broken. Yeah. On by accident or by lack of intention to maintain it, I find. The example I always talk about when we when I you know work with groups on the thing of the trust equation is when you buy a car or traditionally have bought a car. Because a lot of people have had bad experiences. And it's often because the salesman is coming from a landscape of trying to make their numbers not sell you the car that you want and need yeah so their orientation is about them hitting their performance targets not you having the car that you desire and i don't know about you chaps but whenever i buy something the quality of the salesman to me comes down that level of self-orientation and i think the same applies with leadership yeah i agree i i want to pick up on one thing you said there graham you talked about breaking a commitment by accident, losing trust by accident Mm. or with a lack of intention. Yeah. I think that's a really important point. Um, I said earlier, if you break a commitment, it's always because you've made something else more important instead. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you have consciously and deliberately chosen to make something else more important. It could be a whole bunch of unconscious things that you have allowed to cloud your conscious decision-making. So, I mean, in this case, Jamie, you were late here because you made a conscious decision to do something else. Yeah. Communicated that to us. There are many, many things, commitments that I've made to myself or to others that I have not done because I am subconsciously blocked from doing that activity. So classic one for me is if I, I will often have promised to get a document to somebody, a member of my team or a prospective client. Big one is often for me sending out proposals to prospective clients. And I routinely send those out later than I should because I've not made the time to create that document because I'm scared of their response, of the rejection. So the thing that I've made more important instead is my own fear of of rejection mm. that shadow side of me that drives my behavior so it's not a conscious like oh i'm not going to send this because i don't care about you it's that i i care too much about your reaction that i'm not going to do it because it scares me so i make that more important instead if we want to get into practical stuff there's a really neat little process to go through to identify that and, and clear it yeah i think that's important and we'll get to that because 
for me, when you spoke there, Derry, that level of awareness is critical in order for you to be able to successfully clear it and move beyond it and take steps and action to rebuild that trust or acknowledge that you've done something that may damage the, the quality of the trust between you and another party. You know, I know I'm highly driven by my purpose and values in life. We've talked about it on previous episodes. One of my number one jobs in the world is raising him. That's a commitment I've made to my wife. And, you know, I he's on school holidays today. I've been on calls for three of the five hours that he's been awake. I know he's not felt engaged with me in that time. So in that moment, acknowledging him recognizes the bond, the trust between him and I, which I place on a higher plinth, no offense chaps, than the one between us. <laughs> However, I value this trust too. So noticing the choice I made and being absolutely comfortable to say, I made that call and commit, talk to that with you chaps, I think is one of those things that people very simply do. And I, I wonder, have you ever spoke to that client that says the reason that I didn't share it was because I was fearful of the response you were going to give me? <laughs> you may no. not have gone to that level of authenticity, no, no. but... Because I'm far too scared of their response to me being... Sorry, Jamie. Uh, no, that's, re that's really interesting there. I mean, we're talking very specifically there about a both familial uh, an example and a consulting pitching example i'm just trying to think through my own career where have there been moments where that idea of that commitment and the risk of breaching it becoming out of integrity have shown up um, that might be particularly relevant um given some of the people that um we're, we're hearing listen to uh, what we're talking about and that there are, as, as you said earlier on, there's so many different instances where commitments are being made almost every day um, that people aren't necessarily even aware of. And I think that's one of the things that actually this conversation is very helpful for me to recognize as I slow down and go, what's the commitment there for? Well, the commitment is something that could either enhance or damage trust between relationships. And how often does anybody go, I'll, just, I'll get that to you by Friday. I'll be at that meeting on Tuesday. Sure, you want some help with that. I'll be there. Without necessarily really fully understanding what they're making a commitment about. And when they do do it, it's great because implicitly then they fulfilled the other person's perspective of, well, they were in it for me because they did it for me. They were reliable. They didn't put their self-interest above it. But actually, the person doing that wouldn't necessarily have realized the value that might have been ascribed to the fact that they did honor it. And how often they make those commitments and some of them they fulfill and some of them don't. And it just made it just made me think that this is one of those one of those topics which is relevant to many interactions that any of us have on a day-to-day -day basis which we don't we never even consciously think about it really but is. we should and i think it's very easy also to take 
too much responsibility and to slip into a place of um neediness i guess emotion emotional neediness where you where you over promise and then you either will fail in the commitments that you've made because you've over promised or you'll trash your own mental and physical health or what we see all the time is people over over delivering on commitments in their workplace to their team to their colleagues and under delivering in the commitments they've made at home yeah and not being around to graham's point his number one priority but that balancing act is really difficult and particularly for modern leaders and leaders going through this golden age between 25 to 40 where often you're not just stepping into a leadership role in the workplace you're stepping into a whole new type of leadership role at home because most people in that window are having children as well and that that commitment and i'm i'm in the same camp as graham i i, I put nothing higher than the commitment i have to my children i say that all the time do i always make choices that reflect that value no i don't because i make make other commitments in other places that i'm scared of letting them down i'll let my kids down all the time and that balancing act of who are you making commitments to how explicit are those commitments and have you really thought through all of the trade-offs between the different commitments you've made to different people that's incredibly difficult yeah i I remember uh, my wife and i used to have a when we were in our 20s (laughs) way back when um but when we were in our 20s and i always used to say to her said if any one of my family members including you ring me when i'm in a meeting i will come out of that meeting she says you can't do it you can't do it you're not allowed to do that you've got senior people in the room i said i don't care family i place really highly on my list of priorities and if they have taken the effort to ring me in the middle of a meeting it's would be important and i hope that the room around me would understand if i explained this wasn't about you this was about something that mattered to me um but I, I think you hit upon a really important point for those leaders today because there is so much, I think, hierarchy in the workplace. Mm-hmm. I think that is one of those things that, and perceptions of hierarchy and what that means in today's workplace is something that can be highly sensitive for people when it comes to trustworthiness because there used to be an expectation you follow your boss no matter what. And like you say, there's a lot of uncertainty for leaders stepping into new roles with new responsibilities in the workplace and out. So they don't necessarily know. It's why, For me, it's why we've hammered on about self-awareness so much. How many times are you authentic with that story that says, I don't know? And you try and come up with an answer. Like you say, oh, I'll commit to do it in 48 hours when really that next 48 hours, I knew I was jammed with a whole load of the commitments and I've got no time. It's yeah. fascinating. Can't believe we've ended up here, chaps. This, this <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm just putting myself. I'm just listening to the conversation. I'm putting myself back into the, the numerous occasions when I just wasn't paying attention enough to 
the internal dialogue that I was having, the internal dialogue of, I want to do good by that person because I think it might do good for me career-wise or um, I'll just feel better when I get the plaudits or the feedback without recognizing what conflict that might create in terms of the logistics around the commitment I'm making. Because in the moment, it was more important for me because of the narrative going on in my head and what drove me and what I was subject to, which was get good feedback. Look as if you're helping. Yeah, Your self-worth is tied to how people see you. And therefore, it was more important to do that. And then the afterthought was, how do I navigate the complex mess I've created of too many things committed in the same time frame? And guess what? And I, and I remember this on several occasions, and it's probably even recently that I've been subject to the same trap that I've created for myself or fallen into, which is I then resent other people for a problem that I've created. Don't you understand that I don't have enough time to do this for you and this for you and this for you and this for you? And I've tr been trying to help everybody. And now you're expecting this from me, where in actual fact, I've made those commitments. I have, for that equation, placed myself in a position where I've put that trust at risk without thinking of the consequences of the, the commitment that I was making. And that's something which I think, if there is any practical um, side of this because it's a really really complex ever-changing very dynamic frequently occurring almost unexpectedly frequently occurring uh, type uh, context for this particular topic if if i could provide any practical advice even just to myself is just slow down before you say yes to stuff think about what does the yes include what does that yes really mean in terms of a commitment that you're going to have to make and fulfill? And then think twice before you go through and say it or conditionalize it or do whatever, but recognize that actually saying yes is just one little bit of it, which is gets the instantaneous from Graham or from Derry. Thanks. Really appreciate it. As opposed to what will then have to happen in order for them to feel really gratified because of what you've done. Because it's all very well getting the immediate oh, thanks for helping. But if you then let them down with what you've said you'd do, they've got nobody else to turn to. At that point, they've probably left it too late or you've left it too late for them. So that that bit for me is just that slow down moment. And just having this conversation made me realize how many times in my life where I now recognize the frustrations built up as a consequence of me putting myself in a situation and then others, several others at the same time where I can't fulfill to my satisfaction, perhaps their expectations, all the commitments I've made. And I've done that because of some other driver, that other driver being, I just wanted to make them feel good about me. And then I've created a problem. I've got one build on that and then one question. So I think in that pause, we, saw, we talk so often, don't we, about pausing. Just pause. Make, that, make that time. Take a breath. And think in that pause, one question that I try to ask myself is what what is the cost of making this commitment? And I don't mean money. I mean, we all have a finite number of units of time. 
and we can use those units of time for something. And if you make a commitment to anybody to do anything, you're using up some of your units of time. And what, so the cost is what you would have done or what you could have done with those units of time otherwise. And that could be anything, right? Like that could be, okay, I'll, I won't go to the gym because I've promised to review this document for somebody. I I won't, uh, I'll have to miss dinner with my friends tonight because I've promised to review a deck for my team. Or I've, I've received something late from my team and I'm not prepared to let them suffer the consequences of it being late and let it go and keep my own commitment to other people and I'll let them down. So there's always a cost. There's always a cost to any commitment that you make. And I think it's very easy to make commitments without fully considering what the the cost of that commitment is and what what matters to you over what time frame. So that's my kind of my build on that is like hey, when you're going to pause, when you're going to think about should I make this commitment, can I make this commitment and be explicit about that, think about the cost of that. My question is when you do overcommit as we all do I'll be blown away if there's anybody listening to this who doesn't regularly feel like they've overcommitted to people and that they're going to have to let somebody down. So the question is, how do you choose who to let down? And how consciously are you choosing who to let down with a decision framework around that that actually reflects what you really care about? Wow, that's a great question. Series of questions there. I'd, I'll go for the bald-headed guy with a beard. That's the one I'd let down every time. Easy. Um, <laughs> it's just easy. Just, just <laughs> straight I, up. Never worry about <laughs> bald-headed bearded guys. Yeah. Um, that's that is such a great question though. How do you slow yourself down and go? How do I untangle this? And what are the consequences of that? Um, Shall I talk through what I I think people do normally is they have a hierarchy in their head of who's going to be most pissed off with me and who's going to express that in ways that negatively impact my life. And so they don't let down clients because they want to make sure they get paid and they want to have a good reputation. They don't let down people they perceive to be senior or influential in the workplace because they care about their reputation and they don't and worry about letting down family and friends because they'll forgive them in the short term. They really don't worry about letting down people they perceive to be junior to them. I do this all the time to my team. Like I, They ask me to look at some stuff or there's something that is blocking them and, and preventing them from unlocking, like from moving forward on a piece of work. And I don't, give it appropriate prioritization and i'll say i say that i will do it and i make a vague commitment often consciously vague because i don't want to be held to it and then i do it when i get around to it and i let them down and actually that for me that doesn't really fit with my values and it doesn't fit with even with a rational prioritization of which relationships i should be investing in so that's how i see people doing all the time Which is interesting. So that, and I, I can't disagree with that. By the way, I think the natural reaction is to work out where's my greatest threat coming from. Now that I've got myself in a big, deep 
pit of shit. <laughs> and and that, that threat <laughs> defined in very short term, yeah, very ego driven ways. Yeah. And it's going to be largely my direct impact from a career commercial standpoint. If you're involved in a job at that point of some sort, through to ultimately those who I just assume or will expect will kind of tolerate it either because I do so much other stuff for them or I can work around it. And all of that, interestingly, is uh, talks to another bit about this whole really interesting topic, which uh, we haven't touched on yet, which is the difference between the internal narrative and the external narrative. All of what we're describing now, which is the, how do I sort the, this problem out, is going on in my head. It's going on in my head with my criteria, my ranking, my whatever, based on either evidence, data gathered through all my senses of how threat, how much of a threat Derry is as my senior, my boss, my client, my whatever, um, and compare that to Graham, compare that to my wife, compare that to my children, compare that to people who work for me. Um, and go, right, all of that, I just absorb all that, I'm going to sort it, and that's all now part of my internal narrative and sense-making. What everybody else experiences is the external narrative, which is initially, yeah, I'll do that for you, and now, no, I can't do it. Yeah. Or I'll do it on Tuesday rather than Monday. Or did I really say I'd do that? What I meant was, and there's all sorts of excuses. And I can hear my own voice saying it. It's kind of I'm cringing. And if you could, if you could just bottle, in an audio way, embarrassment in <laughs> that I'm feeling myself about how appallingly bad some of my excuses have been over the over the years, as to why I can't now fulfil the commitment because of the external narrative, which other people then process because that's the data to them that feeds their internal narrative, which informs their equation on trust. At times I think, why would anybody talk you know, if I'm really cold and hard with myself, maybe harsh, but like, why would anybody trust me again? Given what two bits of external narrative they've heard from me compared to what actually was going on inside. It's really, really fascinating. But I think that whole processing definitely happens. And I reckon it happens that fast in people's heads and if only people took a little bit of that before they made the commitment as you say what's the cost of this then so much less of that would need to take place less of the internal sorting thereafter would need to take place you i've been quiet because i've been really thinking about what actually do i go through and where does it return from where does it emerge from and I remember in doing some of that, you know, my own personal work to look at how I am in the world and how I develop and how I approach the world. I remember stumbling upon one of my core values being authenticity. And in the examples we're talking about, I find in that pause, I'm always, I'm always checking, am I giving an authentic answer that I can stand behind? And I notice I tend to err on do better than expected than worse. 
So I might say it's 72 hours when I can get it to you. Is that okay? Knowing that I can deliver it in 48. If there is a genuine client request that it's a 24 hours thing, it's then, a, okay, who in that list of prioritization of people and relationships I truly value, do I need to make sure are looked after, managed, supported? Should I not be there? Um, not because I feel that I am the person they have to have there, but I appreciate that they value me being there when they want it. I still remember the most dangerous time I ever broke my son's trust. <laughs> uh, my wife and I have always wanted to encourage him to be able to speak what's going on for him. We know that kids do that. You know, they hide the truth, right? We see it as parents. We probably did it ourselves as kids. And I've always said, you can, you can talk to us with what's on your mind anytime. <laughs> Roll around six months later. You know, where <laughs> Except this is going. For... <laughs> you know where this is going, I'm sure. It's 2 a.m. No, it's 1.52 a.m. Because I can remember looking at my clock when this happened. It's 1.52 a.m. Not, not, not. Dad... What? I'm trying to sleep. What do you want? And he, he ran off crying. Because he'd had something go on in a dream. You know, he was three or four at the time. Brains forming their sense-making of the world and all of that. He had something that he couldn't make sense of. And he, I'd set up the trust that he could talk to me about anything at any time. And I just responded in that entirely human way that just went... What in that very self-orientated way that just said that and he ran off crying and I I will remember it forever. Because like, wow, that commitment of trust was too vague. <laughs> so I always find myself using that pause to check, is the commitment I'm about to make back to anyone that I value the relationship of authentic? And respond in an authentic way. Always even if it's shameful for me or embarrassing for me or, you know, it's just at the real cost of my own integrity sometimes. If I've taken a choice that would quali would, would jeopardise those, own it. Because that's the simplest step in my view and experience that says, do you live by the things you stand for? And people can see that. And I hope There's that some, when do, yeah. that does happen, people remember that if I am to do something that damages their trust. But that, yeah, that principle, I think, really nicely applies, though, because if you take that moment to pause and go, I want to be authentic in, in what response I give here. And I care about this relationship, even just doing that slows you down enough to go, OK, and then you're going to go, I can't be precise in this moment, but I want I want to help. So I've got it, therefore be as authentic as I can, which is I'd love to be able to help, but I can't guarantee when I could do something. How does that sound? And I think the slowing down and then engaging in that uh, conversation around how to, it's almost like how to make the commitment rather than whether to make it is something which actually could really practically alter, even if it's just 10% of the ones that I remember, that would have materially altered some of the outcomes that I and others had achieved 
on those 10 percent of occasions but might have actually strengthened some relationships both for me directly and some other people indirectly as a consequence of us not trying to do things that we couldn't legitimately do and it was typically uh in my case commitments and i think derry probably resonating from earlier conversations we've had around the high performance focus of uh, some of the environments you've worked in um, that you've referenced i would imagine that there would be similar things where a lot of the commitments were to do more for clients faster earlier with better results yeah you've uh, you've made me remember one of my first ever consulting projects with a manager who was I was working at Bain Bain and Company in London, and there was a manager who was flying over from Chicago to run this project for the UK arm of his client. So his main client was in the US, and he was flying over to manage this project every week. And uh, we were about six weeks into a three three month project, and he sent a note to the team saying, "We're going to have to ask all of you to work on the Bank Holiday Monday rather than take it off." And I responded, well, versus our work plan, we're about a week ahead of schedule. So I don't understand why we're needing to lose a day of statutory holiday to work. And uh, his response was, well, the client's paying $2 million. And he was so focused on over-delivering versus that expectation that he was prepared to trash all trust in the junior team that he had and force us to work on a weekend effectively to to massively over deliver for this client simply because he was scared about the number that they'd attached to that project wow i was going to ask on a practical sense derry you you talked about the importance of smart in that setting of expectation let's say and jamie's yeah. just talked about you know what would he have done differently to manage some of that if he did communicate it back, if Jamie had come back with, I can't tell you when I'll be on, but I know I'll be on. How would that have made you feel? Uh, so the commitment that I think works better in that scenario is I can't at this moment commit to when I'll get back to you, but within 24 hours, I will come back with a specific commitment. <laughs> I need to check a few things. I need to talk to some people. Give so me authentically talk about the steps you're actually going to take. Yeah. yeah. And I give me a day and I will make that commitment. Um, I mentioned earlier that I have a, a practical tool for what happens when you Ooh. break commitment. That might be a good point to finish this on. So let's hit yeah. with it. I'm, I'm conscious that we are a little short of time um, because I have a commitment to be on another call in a few minutes time. Um, the practical tool requires a volunteer. Uh, Jamie. Okay, I'll do it. Um, and uh, there's a few questions. I'm just going to ask you a few questions about a recent commitment that you have made. This will work a lot better if it's a commitment that you didn't keep. There's so few of those these days. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to put now, turn it on, up on time for a podcast. Go with that. <laughs> there we go. There's one. So, Jamie, uh, what was the commitment you made and to whom? I made a commitment to both you and Graham that I would be at 
the uh, appointed time on the call so we could record our podcast. Did you keep that commitment? No, I didn't. What was the impact on me and Graham that you perceived? So far, the observable impact is one of, you took the piss out of me a bit. It's actually informed a topic that we're now talking about. Um, I can't see much beyond that in terms of, is there any other lingering or residual effect? Uh, to go a little deeper on that, what what judgments do you think we may be making of you as a result of you failing to keep that commitment? Great question. And then this is where my inner narrative then kicks in. Um, you may be thinking, is Jamie less interested in doing the podcast than what he was doing? Is Jamie not as good at keeping time as he says he would be? Um, is this a pattern that might now start emerging? Um, was he just you know, distracted? Did he forget his time? And therefore, how reliable is he in terms of management of time? Those are the types of things that I could imagine might be going through somebody's head. Yeah. Okay. And what, what was the impact on you of not keeping in that commitment? Um, I felt bad. I did feel bad that I was not there when I said I'd be there. Um, and that was for two reasons. One, because I knew I'd be keeping you guys waiting because we didn't want to start any of our podcasts without all three of us there. So I was keeping your time um, uh, from being used effectively. Um, I felt like I'd, I'd, I'd un undermined my own implicit and our implicit agreement that these were going to be precious times because we enjoyed the space. And something else I'd, al I'd allowed, permitted, Encourage, not necessarily encouraged, but I had allowed and I'd focused on something else to get done uh, that had encroached upon that. Um, so I felt uh, bad for two reasons, two different types of reasons there. Okay. And so what was it that you made more important than keeping that commitment? Uh, finishing off a first draft of a document for a client I'm working with who... Um, I wanted to see with as much time as possible today. Um, and I hadn't managed to get it finished by the time I should have been on our call. Okay. So you chose to finish off a client for a document instead of keeping the commitment to us. What do yep. you think might be the shadow that is driving that choice? Wanting to look good for the client. Um, wanting to um, please others, please others who actually are paying me rather than not paying me. So there's a commercial elements to that. And what's the feeling that sits beneath that wanting to please others who are paying you? Oh, the fear that they won't if I don't. Um, there's a, that 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 low level anxiety of if I don't keep pleasing people, will they want to keep coming back and doing work with me? Um, and is and, that uh, that that man you describe a man who wants to keep pleasing people so that they'll pay you, so they'll keep wanting to work with you? Is that the type of man you want to be? 
it's a good conscience to have for me. It's been a helpful part of me um, to not overlook the fact that um, at times I can get a little drawn into things that only please myself. So I have recognized that this, although this part, when it's overused and certainly when it takes control, isn't helpful. Uh, it's a part of me that actually helps me sort of pull me back in from getting too self-indulgent into um, areas of the kind of work I do that are largely intellectually stimulating for a party of maybe one or two, maybe maybe two at times, but one, um, which is uh, the kind of work I do. Okay. Okay. Um, so are you uh, are you back in integrity? Integrity, um, to define integrity, integrity is I do what I say I will do. My actions match my words. Um, I can only, I, and listen, I, my, my commitment to you guys um, is renewed. I, I mean, certainly the bad feeling I had about turning up late uh, is something which is like a sort of almost like a penalty. I'll just carry that pain or I say pain. It's, it's not legitimately pain. It's a discomfort of the, the potential damage I've done to how you guys perceive me and the relationship, the trust. Um, I have to live with that. So I will, I will just hold that. Um, uh, but the decision around um, that ultimate is, it's, it's for other people to make. And I have just to live with the consequences there. Does it, does this experience make me want to be more explicitly focused on prioritizing? It does. It does. I've, I've realized um, in a very authentic, yeah, I'd say authentic way, but I genuinely recognize how much I enjoy and want to preserve the integrity of these sessions. And I need to plan better. And I need to allow other things not to be intruding on it possibly with the one exception of when a family emergency arises then i think you both recognize that if we put a hand up and go family calls here then it would be something different but in a client context or a intellectually stimulating context it, it would be different it would be something which i would next time go don't do that again you so is there damage a specific it. Smart articulation of a commitment that you're prepared to make. Um, I will. Uh, well, specifically, I will make sure that for one of our future sessions like this, um, I will exclude trying to do work right up until the last minute on anything else I'm doing, and that includes having meetings. I will clear space before our podcast meetings. Um measurable proven by how often i turn up exactly on time or on time within the 30 seconds that we get to, to to show up actionable that's really down to me i am in charge of that and if in advance i can see that there are clashes then i can recontract on times that we've got in the diary as we we all do anyway um to say actually this is something which I would like to ask either permission or request of you guys, can we shift this? Because this is really important. But if it's not possible to move it, then I'll I'll move my stuff and so on and so forth. So th that kind of smart, yes, absolutely. I can certainly do that. 
Great. Are you complete with this process? Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for your open honesty in that process, Jamie. You're welcome. So that is a simple set of questions that you can ask yourself about, did I keep a commitment? What was the impact on them? What's the impact on me? What did I make more important? What was driving that behavior? And how does that represent the person that I want to be? And then what do I need to do to get back into integrity? And I find that really useful for clearing times when I'm out of commitment, such as right now when I'm due right. on another call. <laughs> well, I, I like the way you also brought it back to smart as well. So if you were to redo it, what would be the smart commitment? Yeah, exactly. So on that note, gents, uh, I suggest we wrap until next time. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you again soon. Take care. See you later. any of the subjects we cover in this podcast spark inspiration curiosity or concern within you do drop us a line details are in the comments below and we'll be happy there to listen and see how we can offer the best support for you